welcome to everyone this evening. I think I see some guests this evening, so we are so glad to have you in service with us tonight. Thank you for being here for our Thursday night service, or I guess what a lot of people call midweek Bible study, I guess. So, whatever. Here we are. You, you can remain seated. I am going to read, um, I will read lots of scripture as we go along, but I'm not going to start with scripture. A couple of weeks ago, I guess it's been a month or more now, maybe almost a couple of months, um, six weeks plus, when I was in uh, Liverpool, I don't remember the specific timing of it while I was there, but the Lord kind of dropped this statement into my spirit. And I don't know, we've got pause next week, the following week is Thanksgiving. And then at this point, actually that following Thursday, the first Thursday of December, um, Brother Caleb Herring is uh, going to be in service with us preaching that Thursday night. And um, so I, I don't know when the next time or if the next time that I minister on a Thursday night, if I'll get to follow up on this or not. So we'll we'll see. At the same time, I'm going to do my best not to just rush through this because I don't know when the next time I might get to minister on it. So, uh, But I, I feel like the Lord dropped this, this phrase into my spirit, and, and that is we focus too much on the outcome. We need to focus on the process. And, and uh, mostly tonight I'm going to minister this in the context of us individually, but really it applies corporately, it applies as a body, it applies in ministries. If you are a part of a ministry, if you're a ministry leader, this, this statement applies to you. Again, we spend a lot of time focusing on the outcome when our focus needs to be on the process. I will, well, let me give you a couple of, got my slides out of order here, I think. Yeah, let me do this first, and then I'll, I'll back up. Let me give you a, an idea of, again, of sort of a big picture church corporate application. I don't mean corporate by secular business. I mean larger perspective. Isaiah 54, beginning with verse 1, says this, Sing, O barren that didst not bear, break forth into singing, and cry aloud, Thou that didst not travail with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Now watch these next two verses. Here's the process. Enlarge the place of thy tent. Let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. That's the process. Here's the outcome. You will, you shall break forth on the right hand and on the left. And thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. We want the church, we want the kingdom of God to grow and expand. But if we're not careful, we can get caught up in focus on trying to produce the growth. 
But the prophet said, the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah was, if you will lengthen the cords, if you will, if you will enlarge the place of your tent, stretch forth your curtains, spare not, lengthen thy cords, strengthen thy stakes, if you will do that, if you will do the process, the outcome will come. Part of the context of this is we get caught up in what's God's part. And therefore we're not focused on doing our part. The outcome is God's part. The process is our responsibility. The problem is a lot of people want to sit around talking about the outcome and never do the process. Or people, well... You know, what, what's, your, what's your future? Oh, I'm, I'm called a full-time ministry. What are you doing? What ministry are you involved in right now? How are you serving in the kingdom right now? I'm not all that concerned about where you think you're going way down the road. I want to know what process are you in right now? Because you're not going to wake up one day and suddenly be there. You've got to be involved in the process. You've got to be doing the things that God has instructed. And there's a lot of great promises in scriptures, in scripture that if you and I will do our part, God will do His part. But the enemy knows if he can get us so focused on the outcome, we're not going to do the process. The word process, according to Webster's, is a series of actions that produce something or that lead to a particular result. An outcome is something that follows as a result or consequence. And could I say something that follows as a result or consequence of a process? Cambridge Dictionary says that an outcome is a result or effect of an action, situation, etc. It's the results. Our job is not manufacturing results. The problem is anything that we manufacture doesn't live. These these are, you know, these look great. These are awesome. But you know what? You know what's you know what's so cool? There's not a bit of brown on any of these leaves. Isn't that awesome? Some of you Oh boy, here we go already. Some of you are so worried about your image. The only way you can portray a perfect image is if you are fake. Because none of us that are alive are perfect. I really wasn't looking for this. I do have some object lessons. I was looking around today. There used to be a vase, cylinder, something on the table in the kitchen, the kitchen here that had a bunch of, I think it was artificial oranges, I think, yeah, big jar, jar sounds too plain, I was trying to sound impressive, I didn't, so I was looking, I I went in the closet and I saw that and at first I'm like, nah, that doesn't work, and then I'm like, yeah, that really does work, because have you ever 
seen. A real apple that size. <laughs> no. No, you don't. That's what happens when we try to manufacture or produce artificial. We go bigger than what's even real. That's not impressive. I mean, I guess sort of it is, but it's really not. That's not, you're, you're, I mean, one thing for sure, you don't have to worry about mistaking that for a real apple. <laughs> I've seen some artificial fruit that was proportionate, and, and you may, but you're not going to mistake that. Again, as I said about the plant, there's no, there, there's no um, imperfections on here. There's, it looks like a few places where it probably got bumped into something, but it, it, there's, there's no brown spots on here. I, I stopped by Grawls on the way to church. We are, well, Christ is at home. We're out of apple cider, so my recipe I shared with you all last year I couldn't make because we didn't have cider, so I had to go get some cider and caramel on the way. And I purposely decided to stop by. By the way, I, if you care, I have updated my recipe a little bit couple of pinches of cinnamon and that caramel and I know that's nothing earth shattering but it's so anyway I may talking myself into another one when I get home but I I, I, I purposely thought for a second I, I, I you know I had the chance to do this I walked by and looked at several areas of fruit and and I saw a couple of I saw a couple of apples that offhand I didn't notice any significant imperfections. But the majority of the fruit there, you could find a spot, a brown spot, a mark. The question is, do you want to look perfect but not have any substance? Do you want to portray perfection and there's really nothing to you? Or would you rather have some marks and there's value. More value than just sitting on the shelf someplace looking pretty. I promise you, if you're succeeding at looking like the perfect Christian, you're on the shelf. Because if Paul said... Some of us have some serious egos we need to work on. Because if the Apostle Paul says, the things I should do, I don't do. And the things I shouldn't do, I find myself doing. Who in the world are you and I to think we're going to get this all right? Last time I checked, none of us are writing epistles. So I don't think we've superseded Paul. You can produce this, you can manufacture this, but it's not real. The only way to get the real is there is a process that must be, you've got to sow, you've got to water, you've got to nurture you to get that outcome. 
We sit around sometimes with all these great expectations of how God's... Let's, I, 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 let's, let's take it out of the full-time category because maybe a bunch of you don't necessarily believe or think or feel you're called into full-time ministry someday and the majority probably aren't. <laughs> but every one of us is called... I, I've, I've had this conversation with a couple of, couple of the young men. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out. Apparently there's this conversation or topic or question that some have been talking about, and, and the question is, what's your fivefold gifting? Number one, who cares? cares what your fivefold gifting is. And the only reason you care is because you're insecure with who you are. So if you can identify who you think you are, that'll give you some status. Oh, well, I ain't even really gotten to the notes yet. My goodness. Am I saying there's nobody here called? No. Am I saying there's not some... Possibly some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Hopefully there are. Rather than you sitting around trying to figure out who you are while you're doing nothing, why don't you get involved in the process and let God just develop you and make you? Here's what's interesting. You want to know, you want to sit around and try to figure out, find out what each other's fivefold giftings is or fivefold office is? Just, just go read Romans chapter 1. I, I, Nathaniel, you got your Bible? I figured that. Normally you do. Let me see it. I guess I could do it in my iPad, but. L- listen, listen to Paul. Listen to Paul. Romans 1, verse 1. If anybody has a right to claim an office. If anybody has a right to claim the office, I think Paul had that right. And listen to what Paul says. Listen to what Paul defines himself as. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle separated under the gospel of God. Was Paul an apostle? Of course he was. But Paul says, if you want to know who I am, who I am is a servant. Now, if you want to know what I'm called to do, this is what I'm called to do. But when it comes to who I am, I'm a servant. How can Paul say, I have learned how to be abased and I've learned how to abound? How can he say that? Because he understood, I am a servant. It amazes me those that want to claim their office, their title, are the same ones that think everybody ought to be serving them. I've said this before, I'll say it again. I think I can say it this way. It's not uncommon. If we've got some kind of event going on here, we've got some kind of fellowship or whatever else, when it comes time for cleanup and all that kind of stuff, I'm right in the middle of it. And I'm right in the middle of it for several reasons. But I'll tell you one of the primary reasons I do that. It's not to impress you. It's not even to set an example, even though that is one of the reasons. 
The primary reason I do it because I want to remind me. I don't care what your title is. I don't care what your position is. I don't care how much you... None of that matters. You are and will always be a servant of Jesus Christ. That was all free. So, so, so the, the out, we want, we're worried about the outcome. If you will participate in the process, you don't have to worry about the outcome. So listen to what Paul says in Galatians chapter 5. For brethren, you have, verse 15, you have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an, for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed of one another. Let me just, I got, I got more freebies for you. Here we go, you ready? Some of you are so naive enough to think that when you and your friends sit around talking about other people, that they don't go do the same thing about you. Of course, the flip side is if you'll sit there and talk about everybody else with your friends, don't be consumed one of another. Here, here, it, is, here it is. Ready? How many of you want to be pleasing to not a trick question? You'll get those next week. Any of you folks that are new, don't raise your hand next week if Bishop asks a question. Don't do it. The chances of you answering it the way you think you're supposed to answer it and it being correct is slim to none. So, if nothing else, just pause a little while to make sure. So this is not a trick question. How many, of you want to, how many of you want to live a life that's pleasing to God? How many of you want to live a life that stays away from sin? That's part of our problem. We're so worried about living a life to stay away from sin. Here it is. This I say then, walk in the Spirit. And you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We spend so much time not wanting to walk, not wanting to live in, not to fulfill the lust of the flesh. The problem is we don't walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. I, I love I love sweets, chocolate's kind of the first and foremost. But I, I like all kinds of sweets. But there are times, as much as I love sweets, there are times I get done. Especially we're at a restaurant, we get done with a meal, and the server comes up. Can I interest you in dessert? No way. Why? Too full. You can do the opposite of that. You start off 
with dessert, but then you're too full for the other. It, it, either way, it, it can be the same issue. I, I don't ever remember him doing it, but I can remember my dad at least talking about that you shouldn't do it. And, and that is, you know, when my mother growing up, especially when my mother was in the kitchen cooking, I, I think maybe there were a few times possibly where I recall him going to the pantry while she was cooking. Getting some cookies while she was cooking getting a snack while she was cooking. That did, you know, and my mother's a very sweet, kind, respectful lady. She didn't have to say anything. She just, all she does is just a look. Why? Because I'm preparing you a meal. You're munching on snacks, taking up space for what I'm preparing for you. You're eating cookies while I've got a delicious meal in the works. If you come sit service after service, when the Word of God goes forth, you're like, oh my goodness, hi, I'm not. It might be because you're not hungry. But the question is, what have you been eating that causes you to not be hungry. This I say, walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Oh God, don't let me sin, don't let me sin, don't let me sin, don't let me sin. Then you sin, God, you didn't answer my prayer. No, you didn't do the process. Walk in the Spirit. Live in the Spirit. Do the things that are necessary to live in the Spirit. You don't have to worry about the flesh. Because the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. When you feed the Spirit, you're starving the flesh. Which you ought to do. But when you feed the flesh, you're starving the spirit man. If you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, Variants, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Since most of us hear that list and think we're off, okay, let's read a couple of other translations. But when you follow your own wrong inclinations, your lives will produce these evil results impure thoughts, eagerness for lustful pleasure, 
idolatry, spiritism, that is, encouraging the activity of demons, hatred and fighting, jealousy and anger, constant efforts to get the best for yourself, complaints and criticisms, the feelings that everyone else is wrong except those in your own little group. And usually when there's a group of people that think they're right and everybody else is wrong, it's usually a little group. And there will be wrong doctrine. Envy, murder, drunkenness, wild parties and all that sort of thing. Let me tell you again as I have before that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Message Bible. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all consuming yet never satisfied once. A brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habits of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. Those are the works of the flesh. But then what is... The remainder say, the fruit of the Spirit. And notice it's not fruits plural, it's fruit singular. All of these things are, are the fruit. That means all of these things, if the Spirit is working in us, all of these things should be manifested in our lives. Yeah, they may be manifested in different degrees at different times, but they all should be manifested. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. I, I, I want you to notice the different terms with regards to flesh and spirit. It is the works of the flesh. It is the fruit of the spirit. The Amplified says, verse 16, this way, But I say, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh, of human nature without God. If you want to not fulfill the desires of the flesh, you have got to live habitually in the Spirit. Is there anybody in this place that is content with eating one meal per week. Many of us 
if we have a choice, are not content with eating one meal per day. We got any snackers here tonight? We got you just you're all day long pretty much. You got you're 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 munching on something. If you're a natural snacker and you don't, you're not careful what you're snacking on. That could be not so good of a thing. Do you know what? How awesome would it be if all of us would become spiritual snackers? Because there are those that you will not live off of eating one meal every week, naturally speaking. But you're willing to live off of one meal a week for your spirit, man. A message on Sunday morning is enough for you. You want to know why you're not overcoming? You want to know why you're not being victorious? You don't have the strength to because you're starving the inner man, the spirit man. You're not, if you eat one meal a week, that's all you eat, you're not going to be healthy. You're supposed to eat regularly to be healthy. What we eat is the challenge. We're supposed to eat regularly. And and we think we can eat a couple of times a week. Listen to a couple of messages a week. I don't care if you come to every, all three services every single week as faithful as it can be. If, that's the only, if the only food your spirit man is getting is what comes across the pulpit, you are starving him. When, when, God sent the, when the children of Israel were in the wilderness and they needed food, how did God provide? It was manna for the day. Every day you're supposed to get manna. You're not supposed to store up for the week. You're supposed to get it every single day. There is a spiritual application there. I, I believe what I'm doing here tonight is important. I believe it's there's significance to it. But you're supposed to be getting something to eat every single day. And I got to tell you, we live in a day and time in which that's easier than it's ever been. Now, you need your, your, your spiritual eating should be more than listening to preaching and teaching of somebody else. You need to get your own nose in the Word of God. The bottom line is there are so many tools nowadays, there's so many resources nowadays that there's no excuse for not feeding your spirit man other than lack of discipline or you're focused on feeding the flesh. God's word translation says it this way. Let me explain further. Live your life as your spiritual nature directs you. Then you will never follow through on what your corrupt nature wants. Stuff yourself with broccoli. You're not going to eat ice cream.
you will never, if you will live your spiritual, live your life as your spiritual nature directs you, you will never follow through. See, our problem is we stumble and fall and we're, what? Oh, I can't believe I did it again. Why don't you believe you did it again? Go back to the process. The outcome is based on the process. And you know what? The idea that just trying harder is how you overcome is hogwash, as Bishop would say. Did the Conquer series a couple years ago, which is a video series dealing with pornography and helping people overcome pornography and 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 they, they talked about it you can't somebody that's battling uh, an addiction you try harder that's not the solution I'm just telling you to try harder is not the answer fix the process do the process you will get the outcome so back to this this idea of works Versus fruit, the Amplified says, with regards to the works of the flesh. Now, the doings or practices of the flesh are clear, they're obvious. The actions, the practices, what is produced by the flesh, but the fruit of, the byproduct of the Spirit, the word fruit in the Greek metaphorically is that which originates or comes from something, an effect, a result. The fruit of the Spirit. How many of you want love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness, gentleness, faith? How many of you want those? How many of you want those things? How many of you focus on having those things? Anybody? You spend your time focusing. Yeah, see, y'all aren't being honest now, you know. Want to be more loving. Want to be more patient. Want to be more long-suffering. I want to be, I want to be, I want to be. Do you really? Because if you really want those things, quit worrying about those things. And focus on the process that will result in those things. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in the Word of God. Spend time fellowshipping with brothers and sisters that are also hungry for the things of God. Do the things that are necessary to cultivate the seeds that are being sown and you will have the fruit. Problem is when we try to do it through our flesh, we are producing the works of the flesh. It's interesting that the things that are produced by the flesh is referred to as works because works is things that we make happen. It's what we do. What we do through our flesh. Through our human effort. But the fruit of the Spirit is the byproduct of the Spirit working in us. If I will do my part As I've referenced already, it didn't go quite as well this year as it usually goes. But if I will break up the ground, if I will rake my lawn, if I'll get the dead growth out of there and 
get that soil uh, roughed up a little bit, and, 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 and then I, I put some fertilizer down, and I, I, I plant the grass seed, and then if it's not raining, I, I water it. If I will do my part, I don't, I don't sit around every day going, Oh, where are the sprouts? Come on, sprouts. Come on, sprouts. Come on, grass. Come on, grass. Grow. I don't have to force the grass to grow if I will do the process. I don't don't have to make the fruit grow when I'm following the principles of the process of walking in the Spirit. And if I will walk in the Spirit, I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Put that in there for anybody that wants notes and further study. But the Bible exposition commentary says this, the contrast between works and fruits is important. A machine in a factory works and turns out a product, but it could never manufacture fruit. Fruit must grow out of life. And in the case of the believer, it is the life of the Spirit. When you think of works, you think of effort, labor, strain, and toil. When you think of fruit, you think of beauty, quietness, the unfolding of life. The flesh produces dead works, but the Spirit produces living fruit. And this fruit has in it the seed for still more fruit. Love begets more love. Joy helps to produce more joy. Jesus is concerned that we produce fruit, more fruit, much fruit, because this is the way we glorify Him. The old nature cannot produce fruit. Only the new nature can do that. Isn't that amazing that within the fruit is also seed for more fruit. But again, that works in the positive, but it also works in the negative. Because if you're eating the fruit that's produced by negative actions, negative negative decisions, then it's also leading to more of that because the seed is in the fruit. I got to tell you, folks, I don't think this is quite as hard as we make it out to be sometimes. In fact, I think the problem is sometimes it's so simple we miss it. We're praying for some deep, mysterious, spiritual answer. God's going, I've told you what to do told you the steps to take. I, I've told you how to avoid fulfilling the lust of the flesh. You don't, need, you don't need to be praying and fasting looking for answers. Do what I said do. Walk in the Spirit. Learn to live in the Spirit. And, and, I, and, and that, that's a whole, again, that's another thing I think we make out to be so mystical. I, I, I had the radio on the other night. I think I was heading home from the church. I, I think I was up here for something, and I, and I had, I think it was 95.1, and, and one of the speakers they have on there sometimes, 
he was teaching on the Holy Spirit and, and made reference to how mysterious the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is not mysterious. But you know what? The, the, we, we like it that way, though. Because when it's so mysterious, if it's not working in us the way it's supposed to, well, it's just mysterious. I don't have a grasp. What? That's why here Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. But there's some other places where Paul says, you just need to take this off and put that on. I think one of those things he said was lying. Just, take, just like you take a, cl- a garment off. Take it off. Just take it off. Don't fast and pray about it. Just stop. Tell the truth. Then he says there's some things you just put on. Well, when God, you know, blesses it. No, put it on. You know why part of the reason I think Paul says that is because you tend to act like what you wear. I, I, I remember, especially back in the day when we had a school and when we were in school, a lot of years we had banquets. Most of the time those banquets were formal banquets. So we'd go out and rent tuxedos. I'll tell you something. If you never put on, a, put on formal attire, you ought to go do it at least one time. I'll tell you, you put that on and all of a sudden, man, because of what you wear. So just, just put it on. What, what's interesting is this. In one place, Paul is saying, here is the fruit of the Spirit. Where does the fruit of the Spirit originate? Inside or outside? It works from the inside out. But then in another place, he's talking about the outside, and he says, put it on. Let me see the hands of the, the veterans again. All right, we didn't say hands earlier. But let me I got a question. How many months were you enlisted before you got a uniform? How many days were you enlisted before you got? Maybe one I heard somebody else say, same day. Wait a minute, are you telling me those 17, 18, 19-year-old kids, no offense if you're 17, 18, or 19, but I have now fully earned the right to say that. <laughs> I shouldn't admit this, but I had one of those moments this evening. You know, that I've, I've always, you know, I joke, kind of laugh at my dad for this, and now I'm standing here tonight, and I'm, I'm standing there with all of my heart and sincerity. Lead us with your love. Lead us with your grace. Yes, that's what I was singing. And I look at the screen, and oh, it's meet us. And I'm looking around, I hope nobody was listening. Because I was having a good time. I'm 50. And my, I started to post this, but in our family chat, 
two days ago, I think it was, my eldest, the one that seems so, you know, yeah, I get a video in the family chat of my first AARP letter. Yes, that was so funny. Okay, I feel better because now I've done it. Why was I talking 17, 18, 19 year olds? Uniform, there we go. That was quick and less painful. You got, you got, I mean, I know sometimes, I know like at the Naval Academy, oftentimes, or not necessarily, I don't know about often, but it's not uncommon that a new midshipman at the Naval Academy comes from a, a line of family with military. So there's some knowledge there, but you, you got kids that don't have any military background. They don't know it, they, and they don't really know anything about the military. I mean, yeah, the broad, whatever, but I mean that. They don't train them for months and months and months and months and then say, okay, now you can put this on. The first day. Why? Because you're going to start acting like what you're wearing. So they're training you inside, teaching you, and that's working its way outward. But also while that's working its way from the inside outward, you're also putting something on that's helping you to identify. And so Paul says there should be a fruit that is being produced from the Spirit. But don't sit around and wait for that fruit to manifest it on the outside. You just need to go ahead and put some things on. Because while the Spirit is producing the fruit, if you'll put some other things on, what you'll find out is in a matter of time, the outside and the inside are going to start meshing together. Romans 8, 1. Therefore, I there... Excuse me, that's a one, not an I. It's meat, not lead, and that's a one, not an I. Yeah. There is therefore now... No condemnation to them which are where? In Christ, who what? Walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. If you're battling condemnation tonight, you might want to check if you're in Christ and what you're walking after. Because if you're in Christ and you're not walking after the flesh, there should be no condemnation. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made us free from the law and, and of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. 
We, we need to get rid of the unrealistic expectation that we are going to somehow become so spiritual that there will be no more conflict in our lives. Not going to happen until you die or the rapture takes place. Because your carnal man is always going to be an enemy of God. But the deal is, you decide who wins the conflict. While you can't get rid, fully get rid of the battle, you decide who's going to win. And part, way you just, part of the way you decide that is by which one you continue to feed. The Amplified says it this way, For those who are according to the flesh and are controlled by its unholy desires set their minds on and pursue those things which gratify the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit and are controlled by the desires of the Spirit set their minds on and seek those things which gratify the Spirit. Now the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit, is death. Death that comprises all the miseries arising from sin, both here and hereafter. But the mind of the law of but the mind of the Holy Spirit is life and soul peace, both now and forever. One leads to life, the other leads to death. It's guaranteed. Here's the challenge. It seems as though one of the misperceptions in the garden was if you eat the fruit, the forbidden fruit, what's going to happen? You're going to fall over dead. But we know that's not what seemed to happen. Well, it, it didn't happen, literally. She didn't... Eve did, I mean, I'm pretty sure if Eve would have taken a bite of that piece of fruit and fell over dead, Adam would not have taken a bite. <laughs> but you know what? I suspect that maybe here's what happened. Eve took the first bite, and Adam stood there, <laughs> waiting, 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 nothing seemed to happen. So when it's offered to him, nothing seemed to happen to her, must not be a problem. You, 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 you folk, we, we can get all up in arms about Adam and Eve all we want to, but we make the same mistake. Because we eat the forbidden fruit, whatever that is, and what happens the moment we eat it? At least according to what we see, nothing happens. But that's the problem. You may not see or feel that anything happened, but just like was the case with Adam and Eve, when you go against the Word of God, when you feed that fleshly man, something is happening. Go back to the story of Jesus walking by the tree that wasn't bearing fruit and He curses the tree. What 
did they see the moment he cursed the tree? Nothing. What changed based on what they could see? Nothing. But what happens? They come back a few days later and they look at that tree and they're all amazed. It's dead. No, it's dead the moment he cursed it. That's when it died. It didn't die when you came back a couple of days later and see leaves that are all dried up on the tree. It died the moment he cursed it. It just took a few days to manifest. So it is, positively and negatively. I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one that's been on a fast, especially one that you felt to do. You know, it's one thing we all fast when the church, but I'm talking... If you've never had your own personal fast when the church wasn't fasting, I promise you, you've missed it somewhere. And there have been a few times, I've gone on, and I won't give any numbers because that's not really the point, but I'll just say, I've gone a few times on what 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 you could call extended fasts. And hopefully, for the most part, my motives were right for that. I don't know if they were 100% right, but I can tell you, after every one of those, I got done with them. And guess what I felt after I got done with them? Hungry. No great changes. There seemed to be no noticeable difference. But you know what? I can look back at them and now I can see there was some things that happened. There were some things that developed in me because of those seasons. There was some seeds. It was a process. And there was going to be an outcome. But you don't sow one day and get the outcome the next. doesn't happen. How many times do we get discouraged and frustrated because we have one prayer meeting. We come to one altar call and expect everything to change. And nothing seems to change. Did nothing happen when you responded? Sure something happened. You put a seed in the ground. You're not reaping an entire harvest the next day. And you know what happens, I think, a lot of times for us? We go week after week, sowing and digging it up. Sowing and digging it up. Because we sow, we respond to the Word of God, the Spirit of God, but then nothing seems to happen, and so we dig all that up. No, stick with the process. Do your part of the process, and God will produce an outcome. But you've got to stay with the process. In in Genesis, it talks about there will always be seed time and harvest. In, In principle, which one does the farmer control? Seed time, and I, yeah, okay, there are certain times of the year when it's, I, I get all that, but, but the bottom line is the part that he can do is the sowing of the seed. He can't make the harvest happen. He can just sow and water and fertilize 
and do those things that are a part of the process and trust there will be. There will be. Be not weary in well-doing. For you shall reap if you faint not. Anybody know the words I just left out? There we go. We, don't, we, we kind of forget that due season. We think, be not weary in well-doing, for if you, if you sow, you will reap the next day. No, due season. Due season. You show up to the, to the, to the cornfield in the middle of winter expecting to get corn, you're not, but don't, don't start cursing the seeds. You're at the wrong time. Show up in due season and you will get the harvest. You've got a due season. Keep sowing. But God determines the due season. But you will reap if you faint not. I think this is, this is what the psalmist had a grasp on when he says in Psalm 119 and 11, Thy word have I. Have I. We, we got grow table back there, and we got things we're trying to do, and, 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 and we're always, I'm always thinking, and we're, a lot of us are talking, and how can we, what can we do? How can we do a better job at discipling and equipping and training? And, 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 and we have a responsibility as the church to do that. But the psalmist says, your word have I, I hid. In my heart, I, I was in a conversation with my dad the other day, and, and he said something really was interesting to me. He said he's been in, of course, many of you know, they've been on the road traveling and ministering all year long and driving, driving the motorhome and then driving car. And he said he's been, he's been listening to the Bible on audio, except he said, I've been listening to it. I, I forget what translation he said that he was listening in. He said, but I don't, I'm not listening to it in the King James, he said, because... I, I, you know, I, I know a, a lot of it so well, I just tune it out. So I'm listening to something I'm not as familiar with because it keeps me engaged. I, I got to tell you, I know he's your bishop, but my dad, he's my bishop too, but first he's my dad. If my 75-year-old dad is still constantly... With all he, I mean, we all know, everybody that knows, you know he's got more stuff than he could ever, if he sat 24 hours a day, seven days a week in the studio and taught, he, he wouldn't cover everything he's got on his iPad and computer and all that. And he's still studying and still digging. And you and I think we can eat a couple of snacks every week and become spiritual giants. Thy word have I. I got a question. What are you, what are you doing to put the word in your heart? Well, I'm sitting here, ain't I? Okay, that's only a small part. What are you doing? What are you doing to make sure you've got the word in your heart. That's the process. The process is I put the word in. The process is I'm putting the seed of the word in. The outcome is I won't sin against him. Don't sit around trying to make up your mind to not sin against God and not put word in there. 
It's, it's, I've, I've used it many times and I'll probably just keep using it. It's the difference of driving someplace you've never been versus going someplace you're familiar with going. If I told, if, if I invited you over to my house, if I invited some of you over to my house tonight, there's some of you here, you've never been there. Used to, we'd get a piece of paper and we'd write down directions for you. We don't have to do that anymore. All i got to do is tell you the address and you plug it in your phone. I've, I've, driven, I've driven in places I've never been before with the GPS. And I've heard the word rerouting a bunch of times. I think this is the exit, but I, I, no, I don't think it is. Oh, yes, it was. I'm not going to get lost tonight when I go home. Again, as I've said many times, I'm not even going to, I'm probably going to actually end up in my driveway when I go home and almost kind of think, how did I get here? The reason I'm going to do that is because I've hid the directions in my heart. I'm not going to miss turns because I'm not having to find out. Some of the problem is with some of us, we, when, when we got to make a decision, we got no word. So we've got to go turn the GPS on and probably end up making some wrong decisions because we didn't have the word in us guiding us. Another one I've told many times, and I'll tell it again tonight and probably many more in the future. I think I just told it recently somewhere, but it was the trip back from Youth Congress uh, uh, years ago. First time we ever took a coach bus coming up the interstate, Interstate 83, I think. I was on the front row, left side, right behind the driver's seat. Esther was in my arms asleep. I was asleep, being the good protective father that I am. And I was awakened by the bus driver. Oh, blank. He was not a church member. And when I was awakened, I see dead stop traffic. Three lanes of dead stop traffic. We were in the outside lane. We go all the way across three lanes of traffic down into the median. And the angle of the median was such that when we went down into it, things were falling out of the overhead compartments. We finally come to a stop. Everybody's checking on everybody. Everybody's safe. is okay. We get out. It was the bus driver. I think my brother and brother Mott were a couple of us that were out there. And I'll never forget this. The bus driver, he was, I think, in his 70s at the time. He said that when that bus went down into the median, something he had learned in the first CDL training he had ever been through, which was like 30, 40 years prior. He said, I hadn't thought of it since then. But the second we went down into the ditch, I remembered it. Basically, it was don't hit the brakes. If you can, let time and all of that just slow you down. And I stood there as all of our hearts were still settling back down. And as is often the case, all of a sudden my mind began to go. And I thought, you know what? If a natural, carnal thing not, not carnal in a bad, but just a natural thing 
in that moment that had been planted years before that he never thought of, if in that moment it could come to mind, you tell me that all of the stuff we put in us from the Word of God, preaching, reading, whatever, that God isn't able to take that and in the moment we need it, quicken us, quicken it to our minds. But the problem is this, for it to be quickened to your mind, it's got to be there. He can't quicken something you haven't hidden. That's why, again, you, 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 sit, you can sit in a service when a man or woman of God is preaching, and, and maybe within the first few moments of them preaching, you go, I'm not going through that. That doesn't apply to me. There's a really, 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 really good chance that God knows that somewhere down the road, what is being said right now is some seeds that are being planted in this moment that are going to produce an outcome in that moment. And so whether it feels like it applies to you in the moment or not, you need to be a part of the process because God knows the outcomes that are needed. The word hid, according to Brown, Driver, and Briggs, means to hide, to treasure, to treasure or store up. Strong says it means to hoard. I don't know if we've always known about hoarders, but we know about hoarders nowadays. You know what? I don't know about natural hoarders, but you need to be a spiritual hoarder. You need to fill up every space in your spiritual house with the Word of God, the Spirit of God. Because if you would do that, the outcomes are guaranteed. Last verse, last passage. Psalms 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. That's the process. That's what you and I have control over. The outcome, the outcome of delighting in the law of the Lord, the outcome of meditating on His Word day and night is you will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in His season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever He doeth shall prosper. I don't know about you, but I'd like everything I do to prosper. Let me sit around and see how I can make everything I do prosper. No. Let me delight in the law of the Lord. and Let me meditate in His law day and night. That's what I can do. That's what I'm responsible for doing. And if I will do that, I can be certain of the outcome. You're sitting here tonight and you can think about some things in your life that the outcome, the results are not what you're hoping for, or looking for. Quit focusing on the outcome. Go back and figure out what needs to change in the process. See, it's, I, 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 I tried years ago, I don't remember how long ago, I tried years ago to make up my mind when it comes to ministry and, 
when it comes to one-on-one ministry especially. To, to, by the help of the Lord, try to get to the root of a problem. Because it's a lot easier to deal with the symptoms. The problem is when we deal with symptoms, all we're doing is pruning. When you prune a, a, a bush, a tree, a plant, when you properly prune it, you may be shrinking the size of it, but you're actually setting it up to come back healthier and stronger. I guess I need to come up with some new illustrations, or maybe y'all don't remember them, so I shouldn't tell you I used them before and you think they're all brand new. It's happened a few times at least, I think, but a couple years ago when we had a crepe, 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 is that a crepe myrtle murderer? Except I watched the crepe myrtle murderer murder the crepe myrtles. We won't call any names. He's just one of our main ushers, that's all. But I, I fully understood, but, but if you didn't know what was going on, if you didn't understand the process, you would have looked as Brother All... I'm sorry. <laughs> you, would, you would have watched as the tops of those crepe myrtles were being sliced off, thinking, what are you doing? Just a few months later, Beautiful, healthy, strong. See, some of you got problems that are getting bigger and bigger and you don't understand because you keep pruning. But the problem is you have problems you keep pruning. Anybody got any stumps in your yard, trees that were cut down, whole, I'm, I'm big trees cut down, and periodically you can see out of that stump Coming a brand new sprout. Because just because you cut the tree down, you didn't take the life away. You got to dig up the root. You got to get the root out. You get focused on the outcomes, you're probably just going to take actions that are pruning. But if you want real, lasting, genuine change, growth, development in your life, Get the process right, and the outcome will take care of itself. So bow your heads for a moment. Father, I pray that you would help us tonight. God, I know that I am in the midst of a group of people tonight that are dedicated, committed to you, hungry for you, desire you. Lord, that doesn't exempt any of us from putting our focus in the wrong area. It doesn't exempt any of us for trying to produce the part that's your part to produce and neglect our part. God, I pray tonight that from our individual personal lives, our individual walk with you, to the ministries of this church and to this congregation as a whole, God, that you would help us 
that you would help us put our focus, our effort, our energy into the process that your word lays out. Instead of trying to produce and manufacture the, the results, the product, help us to do our part in the process and you will do your part. Lord, if there are those here tonight that are struggling, fulfilling the lust of the flesh, I pray that you would help them tonight, God, to begin afresh and anew to walk in the Spirit. To learn to live a life in the Spirit. To learn to feed the Spirit man with those things that are necessary so that we can as the result, not what we have to produce, not what we have to try to make happen, but simply as the result of learning and walking in the Spirit, we will begin to not fulfill those lusts. In the name of Jesus Christ, God, I also pray tonight for those who have sown, who are watering, who are participating in the process, trusting the process, but it's not happening as quickly as they would like. They haven't seen the results they've hoped to see so far or by this point in time, I pray, God, that you would help them tonight to not be weary in well-doing because you promised us, Lord, you have promised us that we will reap if we don't faint, if we don't quit, if we don't give up, we will reap. I pray that you would give somebody strength tonight, God. I pray that you would... Give somebody a renewed mind tonight to stay in and to trust the process that if they will continue to do their part, you will. may not be as quickly as we want, God, but you will in due season cause us to reap. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you forward to seeing you hopefully at some point throughout the weekend in Jesus name.